As Irma hits Florida, worries rise in Houston. Those stories and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report about water. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin. And it's This Week in Water. As we begin our report this Sunday, Hurricane Irma is battering Florida's west coast. Nearly two million homes have lost power already, and many more are threatened. The storm made its second landfall at Marco Island after striking the Florida Keys with 130 mile per hour gusts. The eastern side of Florida was feeling Irma also. Two construction cranes fell in Miami as winds hit 100 miles per hour and streets were flooded with waist deep water. The storm was forecast to move up the west coast of Florida, hitting Naples, Fort Myers, Sarasota, and Tampa. Waters rose in Naples about four feet in 30 minutes at about 4 p.m. Before it reached Florida, Irma devastated the Caribbean. Barbuda, St. Martin, Anguilla, and both the British and U.S. Virgin Islands were the hardest hit. At least 22 people had died from the storm before it made landfall in Florida. Cuba's coastal areas were hit hard, but there were no reports of any deaths there. Nearly the whole state of Florida has been under a tornado watch since Irma arrived. Officials are warning people in Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, and South Carolina to prepare for severe impacts from the storm as it heads north. As Southeast Texas and Louisiana begin the long-term efforts to put lives back together after Hurricane Harvey, concerns over industrial pollution are increasing. Large oil and gas companies released more than one and a half million pounds of pollutants in an eight-day period before and after the hurricane. At a Valero Energy refinery, a floating roof covering a tank sank due to the heavy rains brought by Harvey, causing benzene, a known carcinogen, to leak into the atmosphere. Many Plants in the hurricane's path released extra pollutants into the air when they shut down, and other facilities damaged by wind and water inadvertently released hazardous gases. As the Arkema chemical plant started exploding and then burned in nearby Crosby, police officers and first responders became ill and started to fall on the roads where they were stationed a mile and a half from the facility. The Houston Chronicle reports that the first responders sued Arkema last week, saying that it's not the first time a hurricane has hit the Gulf Coast, and the chemical manufacturer should have had a plan in place to prepare for natural disasters. The EPA said that 13 of 41 Superfund sites, which are some of the most toxic areas in the U.S., were inundated. The agency said that as of now, only two of those 13 don't require emergency cleanup efforts. As floodwaters recede, many of the chemical and refining facilities are coming back online. Starting up a plant is a dangerous period because it entails restarting complex chains of chemical reactions that require a perfect balance to prevent uncontrolled releases and explosions. What's worse is that, according to the Houston Chronicle, both state and federal authorities are poorly equipped to monitor plants restarting because of understaffing and lack of funding. It's unprecedented. That's what Tanya Franson of the National Weather Service said about what's being called a flash drought in Montana and North and South Dakota. She told The Guardian that it's as dry now as it's been in recorded history. 
That area is one of the country's most important wheat-growing regions, and a combination of sudden high temperatures and little rain has led to farmers losing entire crops or having poor quality harvests. Montana is also experiencing a horrible wildfire season, with more than one million acres burned, and predictions are for the destruction to continue for weeks. Nearly 80 wildfires were burning as of the end of last week in Washington, Oregon, California, Idaho, in addition to Montana. Some are asking, why are there so many fires if the winter delivered a lot of snow? The answer, that precipitation resulted in grasses growing taller and thicker. Then it became hot very fast, and the snow melted very fast. As the grasses died out, there was plenty of fuel for wildfires. Tiny plastic fibers are everywhere in the air we breathe and the water we drink. Now a new investigation by Orb Media, a nonprofit news organization, concludes that tiny microplastic fibers were found in tap water samples taken on five continents. The study was done in more than 12 countries, including the U.S., Lebanon, France, Malaysia, and India. The U.S. had the most plastic contamination, with more than 90% of samples showing fibers. They were found at many places, including EPA's headquarters, congressional buildings, and even Trump Tower in New York. How they get into tap water is not clear, but many of the fibers come from washing clothes with the average machine capable of releasing thousands of particles each cycle. According to Orb Media, a single fleece jacket can shed almost 2,000 synthetic fibers in a single wash. Other fibers come from carpets, upholstery, and tires, some from shampoos, toothpastes, and other personal care products. The fibers are small, none bigger than 5 millimeters or about the length of a pencil eraser, with many much smaller, about the size of one-tenth of the tip of a pencil. The health effects on humans from ingesting microplastics is unclear, but studies done on animals show that the fibers can absorb toxic chemicals that are then released into the body. A professor of environmental health in the UK told The Guardian that research into the effects on human health is urgently needed. And finally today, we leave you with the story of Nisha Dupuis, a 19-year-old radio broadcaster on the island of Anguilla. As Irma hit the island, Dupuis kept broadcasting as the Category 5 hurricane toppled trees, destroyed cars, and ripped houses apart. The CBC reports that panicked people from around the island called in trying to get in touch with authorities. Dupuis kept going, telling people about the storm and conveying information to emergency responders about people who needed help. Our hats are off to Dupuis and all the unsung heroes of Irma and Harvey. That's it for This Week in Water. We'll be back next week. This Week in Water is supported by the American Waterworks Association. Water quality experts will present the latest science and research in the field at WQTC in Portland, November 12th through 16th. Learn more at awwa.org forward slash WQTC.